Welcome to Indie Matters, the podcast from the Nevada Independent. I'm your host, Joey Lovato, and on today's episode, I bring you some highlights from our Nevada Democracy Project, a partnership that the Nevada Independent is doing with Vegas PBS, where we have a community listening session where anyone is invited to come and speak about what they think are big issues happening to Nevadans and also what the media may be missing. This event was co-moderated by the Indies Nyoka Foreman and Vegas PBS's Amber Renee Dixon, and it happened at the College of Southern Nevada's West Charleston campus. You'll hear clips from various members of the community who brought up interesting points uh, and concerns that they have about the community. Uh, but before we get to that, I wanted to tell you a little bit about our new podcast called On the Trail with the Nevada Independent. It's hosted by my sometimes co-host here, Jacob Solis, who is joined by other reporters from the Indy to talk about Nevada elections and politics. The pilot phase is wrapping up this week, but you can go back and listen to all of the news and analysis that has come out of this election, as well as our reporter Sean Galanka's dogged effort to follow the ice cream election in the city of Henderson. Um, basically, the city of Henderson during the primaries was allowing children you know, under 18 years of age to cast votes in a primary uh, involving ice cream flavors. And so eight choices on the ballot, there were cookies and cream, vanilla, chocolate, bubblegum, mint chocolate chip, cookie dough, chocolate chip, and Rocky Road. And we have the results, Jacob, they're finally here. Um, there are four flavors advancing. Uh, and if you wanna find out what those four flavors are, you're gonna have to go back and listen to episode four of On the Trail. But Jacob and guests also talk about all things elections in Nevada. Maybe a lot of the Democrats or Democratic leaners who are most unhappy with Biden are the people who aren't registered Democrats and can't participate in Nevada's closed primary. They're not partisan voters. You can find On the Trail with the Nevada Independent wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to rate and review it as well. Alrighty, now on to some clips from the Nevada Democracy Project. Hi, I'm Drake York. Um, I guess I would start by saying that people should really educate themselves a lot on both candidates if they plan on voting. Um, a lot of the time, people tend to kind of jump the gun when it comes to their feelings on politics and stuff like that. A lot of people my age anyways, like I have so many friends who I talk to and they're like, well, you know, I don't like Biden because of the whole Gaza thing, or oh, I don't like Trump because he's a jerk. And it's like, it's way more complicated than that. You know, if, if people would, I guess, I guess what, I, what I'm trying to say is that I think that there should be a push on educating voters because educated voters are stronger voters. My name is Chris Solomon. I am a state director of an educational issue advocacy organization. What I am discovering, and to, I'm gonna take my, my jobs hat off and put on like my very staunch support for President Biden on. Um, when it comes to the youth, a lot of them are much more nonpartisan yet very progressive. And so trying to scale that down for the youngest folks around us that are getting involved in issue advocacy stuff, giving them the leadership um, spaces to actually take action. The Malcolm and Emer right there are talking about gun violence prevention specifically. They need to, I think that with the disarray that the current Biden campaign is in, is being able to sell Joe Biden to just practically anyone. And you can see even people from the old Obama camp trying to help President Biden pivot to go and be attractive to those young voters, right? Um, the more that you engage young people at a local level and building the autonomy they need 
to, to actually take on issues, it gives them a much more comprehensive understanding of widening that single issue thing that you were talking about. I'm curious, when students do come to you to begin learning how to go out and deliver their messages, um, what tends to be the number one concern they have? Whether or not they are going to be able to afford a home like most of the people in this room probably already have, or whether or not they're going to be able to adjust to the cost of living demands. Um, but you know, at the same time, that small step of giving them the autonomy they need over specific issues that they're passionate about or have been affected by, you know, is probably the best start right now, in my view. Hi, I'm Peggy Young, and um, I'm not 25, <laughs> but I do have a lot of um, community issues or questions, and I've lived in this community for many years. I was a teacher for 30 years, and from the beginning of my career to the end, things had very much changed. The principals used to own their classroom and have their uh, I would follow a principal because of their philosophies um, or their dedication to students. And I think education has really changed, and it's not for the best. Um, I live in the community um, over by Desert Inn and Jones. I've lived there for 37 years, and I will not go out at night anymore in this community. Um, it's a sad thing. I used to walk my dogs or take my children even around the block, not in the dead of night, of course, but um, I don't do that anymore. I used to bake a cake. If I went out of um, eggs or cream, I would go to Walmart or anywhere else and pick it up. I don't do that anymore. I'm not feeling safe in my own community, and that's a very sad thing. I don't go out. Um, at night without my husband, and we're very careful where we go. That's a, that's a, a, kids can't do that. Hello, my name is Eric Padilla, I'm 11 years old, and I would just like to say, because as she was asking, what types of problems do you think that you guys should cover a bit more? I was thinking maybe a bit more like local problems, stuff that's going on in Las Vegas, because I think just like the big ticket items are just a bit too big for me, because I'm just a bit more worried about what's going on in the local areas, like let's say floods or damages to the areas. Because of the flood that's happened in September, there's still like construction going on in my areas. I would also like to say that I completely agree with the journalism people because um, in my English class, um, we write a lot of like essays. We have to spend hours like just researching stuff online, looking up stuff. Right now, um, a project that we're working on is, should people be allowed to own exotic animals? So we had to look up like a ton of evidence, reasons to why we should or shouldn't let people own exotic animals. I would also like just to say that it takes a lot of work to be a journalism and to be a journalist, and we appreciate everybody that does the news, that writes books, that people that do the magazines. We appreciate every single one of you. Thank you so much, so kind. So I have to ask, should people own exotic animals after doing your research? I don't think they should, for three reasons. One, let's say like you're harboring an endangered species. They could, they could possibly go out, they could either go extinct or they could become domestic. They could lose all of their wild instinct. 
Another reason is public safety. As we've learned from the Terry Thompson incident that happened in October, I think, 2011. The Terry Thompson, he owned a lot of exotic animals in cages. Therefore, so he's released the animals into the world, into the city, before killing himself. So all of the other animals, the cops shot them, and those animals could have been endangered. Okay, and do you plan on running for office one day? <laughs> um, I think I would. Actually, if I got the chance, I probably would. I uh, first went to Clark County Community College in 1984 and 85 and dropped out because of nuclear issues. My family are downwinders. Uh, we, since then, I've been engaged in uh, nuclear issues, Yucca Mountain. These nuclear issues affect all of us. The radiation is everywhere. It's at the bottom of Lake Mead. It's in the older houses here in Las Vegas, and workers are going into these homes and getting exposed. They don't even know that they're exposed. People go out and they recreate on the dry lake beds. They park on the edge where those heavy particles bounce across and collect, and they're getting exposed, potentially. This environment is the most precious thing that we have. It's a fragile environment. We have the oldest life in the world here in the Great Basin. All this Yatumbi, we call it, cre uh, uh, creosote. We have the single oldest tree, the uh, bristlecone pine, 6,800 years old uh, on our mountaintops. The Pando, 25 square miles, over 80,000 years old. We know what we're trying to protect. I'm trying to protect the pure water that all of us need and all of our children needs. We have endocrine disruptors, all this contamination going into our water. We have the only ownership contention of Yucca Mountain. In case you don't know, the proceedings are suspended, but they're ongoing. As soon as Congress decides to fund this, they're going to keep going. But we have the only ownership contention. And even with the Bureau of Land Management's master title plats, the Department of Energy can't prove ownership because Western Shoshone title remains unextinguished. 30 million acres and 5,000 people a month are moving here. We're not trying to get rid of anybody, but we need equal protection under the law. And so we just seek simple language that any federally funded projects prove ownership to the land. Otherwise, they're engaged in colonialism, exploitation, and it's an abuse. Environmental justice is what I'm about. My name's Ian Zabarti. I'm the Secretary of State for the Western Shoshone National Council. And I've been doing this work for 50 years. My name is Bob Olson. First of all, I've, I've sat and listened to quite a few people tonight. And it's real interesting because I did not, when I came here, I didn't know what to expect. But I will tell you this. We have a problem. We need to educate the young people in our government what goes on. We also need to make sure that we know the candidates we're putting up and what they stand for. The issue that I do see here is that when you ask somebody, 10 people, and this happened the other night, I asked 10 people at the caucus, who's your state assemblyman and who's your state senator? Out of those 10 people, nine of them could not tell you. This is the first time I've seen where we have to take our election all the way down to the school board, the commissioners, that far down. That's how critical this is. Now, I've heard the gentleman here with the Indian Affairs Bureau. I know, I know what's going on there. I've seen that. I've dealt with that. But for you as an individual, 
Your rights have been take, are being slowly taken away in your voice. Do I believe that the Republican Party is the right one? Do I believe the Democrats the right one? No, there is a middle of the road. You have to know the candidates that we are putting up for office and what they stand for. Find out. Step out there. Talk to them. Right now, if you walked into North Las Vegas, where I live, you would not know who's running for office up there because the news media doesn't care. They're worried about the national level. We need to start worrying about our local level, the state legislatures we put in, the state assembly people we put in. But the young people today, you are the future. We start with our children, this little girl sitting here. That's our future. What do we want to give her? Environment that we need to work on. That's an issue. Yeah, we do. But we've got to get people that will honestly stand here and listen. The news media, people want to blame all this. We've been paying attention to Trump. We've been t paying attention to Biden. The interesting thing is when you go to the caucus and you start talking to those people, what are they concerned about? Yeah, we're here to vote for them. But what they're more concerned about is what's going to affect my life. What's your name? My name is Cassandra. How old are you? I'm 13. And what concerns you? Um, something I really agreed on was that we should introduce like civic classes into our school curriculum. As someone who's going to go into high school quite soon, um, I think it's really important that we're educated on topics that will help us in the real world, like politics and, and dealing with our own lives and money. How prepared do you feel to go into the real world at this point? Um, I'm really young, but I really don't think looking at my parents' lives, seeing that no one's prepared for what it is, and I feel like I'm going to be even less prepared because of education and its lack of. And then I'm, I'm curious, your parents, what kind of issues are they facing? Um, definitely economic issues, um, a lot of money struggles because it's really tough in the world right now. My name is Stephanie, and I just want to speak on what you were speaking on. So I took my two children, my sixth grader and my seventh grader, out of the middle school that they were in because my daughter was being suspended for not wearing this badge. And when I spoke with the principal about their, how they were handling the students at the school, to me it felt like the students were inmates. When I call the school to speak to the principal about what's going on with my daughter, why she's being suspended because she's not wearing a badge, she's in school to get an education. She's not a number, she's not a badge. That made me feel some type of way because they're grooming them for jail. Okay, in my perspective, they're grooming these children for jail. They're not, they're not addressing them by their names. They're not referring to them as, as a student. What's your number? That's in jail. That's what they do to inmates. They don't ask you your name in jail. What is your number? So for her being suspended for things like that, what, 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 is, what is the school system doing right now? They're not, they're not educating these children. So since my kids have been in home school, mm -mm, my daughter has absolutely no idea what a politician is. Okay, that saddens me because she's gonna be here when I'm gone. And if she doesn't know what that is in the seventh grade, how is she gonna know what that means in the ninth grade? They don't know, they're not teaching these kids nothing.
They're teaching them how to be criminals. Because what's happening is when a child is wanting to be educated and you're, 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 you're punishing them for not wearing a badge, what, what makes that child want to come back and be educated by this person when they're being punished for the simplest thing in the world? Instead of pulling that child to the side and trying to make a resolution or even calling the parent, half the time I wasn't even being called. They need to eliminate that school police and they need to put more brown teachers in schools. My daughter only had white teachers that cannot relate to brown. None of these teachers could relate to anything that she had going on. My name's Robert. I want to circle back around to the initial question, the issues that drive us. There are a lot of issues, education, environment, infrastructure, but what worries me, I do hear the word fear a lot being mentioned. And talking about democracy, I, I understand why I, uh, fear, the word fear is being used a lot, but what it seems to me is when we circle back around as the most important issue, it does seem like democracy is on the ballot, as they say, this time. Um, and what, what your initial question was, what was the number one issue? I think the number one issue should be an old-fashioned issue, which is like integrity, honor, can you trust the person you're voting for? Screw the party, uh, just can you trust the person that you're voting for? Um, and also in your question you asked, um, what do we want to see more from the press? We want to see more of the judicial review. We want to see more of the unbiased journalism that gives us some facts that we can use. And then I will leave it at this. The last thing that worries me is I heard a couple of people say they get their news from everywhere. And that does, speaking of fear, that makes me fearful because I think a lot of people do get their news from everywhere. And instead of knowing the difference between PBS and the Nevada Independent and the other outlets that are not really worth reading. And that, that is a problem I think we're, I'm not saying that you need to pick your outlet and stick with it. I'm saying you need to know what outlets are credible, which ones actually do their research and which ones are there to get clicks and which ones are there to influence you. Um, and I think that is the number, and then I'll leave it at this. The number one issue should be daylight savings time. We need to end the tyranny. <laughs> no, the number, the, the number two issue should be, we should have a legislature that meets every year. And that should be the number one thing. So anyways, thank you. All right, thank you very much. That's all the time we have for this evening. Thank you so much. You can find the whole discussion from the other night on our YouTube channel by searching the Nevada Independent and then clicking on the live stream tab. Uh, the discussion lasted about two hours and there were a lot of people that had a lot of great things to say. The discussion was lively and really interesting, so make sure to go and listen to the whole thing. We will also be announcing future Nevada Democracy Project listening sessions soon. But before we wrap up the show, I also want you to hear a quick promo for one of our newsletters, the DC Download. After you cast your vote for a senator or representative, and after those members of Congress are sworn in, how much do you know about what they're doing? What happens in D.C. certainly doesn't stay in D.C. Decisions made by the president, the Supreme Court, and yes, your members of Congress affect lives around the world. If you're from Nevada, I want to help you keep up with Washington. I'm Gabby Bierenbaum, and I write a weekly newsletter that will bring you the latest news from the Capitol and tell you exactly how it will affect your life in Nevada. I check in with Nevada's congressional delegation, track actions by the courts and the Biden administration, and deliver the most important news to your email inbox every Saturday. 
you can subscribe to the DC Download at thenevadaindependent.com forward slash newsletters. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Matters. We want to thank everyone who participated in the Nevada Democracy Project. And also don't forget to check out On the Trail and our newsletter, The DC Download. This show is produced and edited by me, Joey Lovato, with my editor, Michelle Rendells. Our music comes from Emily Pratt, Storyblocks, June Pearson, and myself. And we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Matters. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.